Do you have like theme music that comes in? I don't have no, no theme music yet. I should probably get some theme you music. Need some. I have actually had someone reach out to me and they're like, "Hey, I'll do like a whole like graphic intro theme music for you and you, stuff like that." So you could probably go on Fiverr and get it for like eleven dollars from. I probably could. It wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Howard Show. This is episode three, and we got Jim Boatman here. Um, he decided to come on the show because I asked him to. <laughs> Um, and for people that don't know, Jim is one of the top litigators and law firm owners here in Southwest Florida, uh, Marco Island, Naples, and Fort Myers, and Tallahassee, actually, not just Southwest Florida, up in the Panhandle as well. And um, he is my title partner at the Trinity Title. And uh, Jim has been pretty big on my life in a very short amount of time. Um, I've only known Jim here for about going on five months now, but he has done a lot for me in my journey and my new journey from selling the business and uh, helping me on the title side and definitely on the law side as, as, as a real estate broker and other things, but bringing his advice and wisdom and stuff like that. But Jim has an absolutely incredible story. And uh, I want to get that out there because his story can probably relate to a lot of people. He's not one of these uh, rich kids from Naples that grew up and <laughs> went to law school and stuff like that. Uh, the other night, we were actually having cigars, and it, it came out this way, but um, Jim went from GED to JD. That's right. And when we said it like that, I was like, man, that's, that's a really incredible story. I mean, not many people go from a GED to JD, and I, I don't want to get to that eventually, but um, enough about me talking. Let's get let's introduce you to the audience, who you are, where you're from, stuff like that. Well, first of all, thank you very much, John, for having me on. It's a, <clears throat> it's an honor. Um, I've really enjoyed um, getting to know you. It has been five months, but it's been very sort of uh, a dense five months in terms of all the experiences uh, that we have had uh, compressed therein, and so it's it's uh, fantastic. Um, and I'm I'm humbled that you would ask me to be on your podcast. Um, <clears throat> Well you, well, you sponsored this, just so you know. Yeah, uh, Boatman Ritchie Law Firm, Trinity, and Boatman Ritchie sponsored it for uh, $100,000. So thank you for that donation. Okay, well, I, um, <laughs> I look forward to cutting that check. Um, so, yeah, anyways, uh, I, uh, first and foremost, I, I've been married for 30 years uh, to a fantastic woman. Her name is Joy. I, I have four kids, and... Um, um, two of them are biological and two are adopted. Uh, we've just been very blessed. And, uh, but uh, I find myself in a situation where um, I, between a law firm, um, a title company, a marketing company, um, have a lot going on, but uh, simply just trying to, to do the things that, that I feel led to do and things that are um, fun and that are relational you know, I, I tend to, <clears throat> different people are driven by different things, and uh, I, I tend to be driven by, by relationships. I really just enjoy that. Um, the, the, actually, the motto for my law firm is truth-guided and relationship-driven, and, and that's, that's an authentic motto in that, you know, we don't try to induce people to come to the organization because of a motto, we want to be held accountable to that motto, and and we try to, you know, I just try to live my life in that way. Um, so, yeah, GED to JD, I was <laughs> long story, man. 
I mean, it's an, it's an incredible story, though, to, to go from that. Because, I mean, a lot of people that usually just don't even go to college after just a GED. You know, they have a lot of life struggles and stuff like that. But, I mean, that's, that's a pretty powerful statement. Yeah, I, I had an interesting childhood. I, uh, I have, first of all, two amazing, wonderful uh, parents um, who just didn't like each other very much <laughs> when I was about three years old, and they got divorced. And, and it sort of, and then there was this sort of, you know, evolution of, of things that occurred that by the time I was a teenager, I, I didn't really have direction. I didn't have a, a consistent father figure in my life, and I and sort of had had me sort of grasping at what I thought masculinity was, which, you know, included kind of head banging and and and, and stuff that that really was kind of dead ender. I really wasn't much of a headbanger. I liked hanging out with them, you know, and sort of posing with them, and you know. But uh, so, long story short, I was uh, asked to leave public school uh, when I was a junior. Uh, right at the end of my junior year, I got into you know a couple altercations, and I was asked to leave. And uh, <clears throat> then my dad was kind enough to offer to send me to uh, a private school in Western Pennsylvania called Kiski Prep, um, north of, of Pittsburgh. And so I took him up on that, and. Uh, Went there and, and actually thrived for for a while um, until I got in trouble again, and they asked me to leave. And they had made me do the, my junior year over again. So, I, you know, I got when I got kicked out of Kiski and put on a bus back to uh, Central Florida, which is where I grew up. Um, I had never never been, never been a senior in high school, so that's kind of what led me to to get my GED. I was figuring, you know what, maybe maybe I just need to to go ahead and, and get my uh, high school equivalency out of the way and, 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 and uh, progress my my scholastic pursuits after that. So Yeah. And then um, something I just found out the other day was you also, after that, well, you went. I think you went to community college or a local exactly. college for, mm -hmm. for a couple of yep. years mm -hmm. and then went to Embry-Riddle. Yeah, I did. So we went to the same school. You actually went to the campus one. I did the one when I was in the military, but it was just kind of like, that was a cool kind of connection that we just figured out like last week. Yeah, um, it hasn't really come up in our conversation uh, yet on this podcast, but you know, I happen, you know, as you know, to be one of these crazy Christians that 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 really believe that that God sort of informs all relationships mm -hmm. and 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 uses relationships for his 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 means and his ends, and uh, and, and I find that a lot of times, you know, God will. Um, He'll, he'll allow things to become evident sort of after the fact that uh, sort of just circumstance or coincidence would not have likely brought about. And I just find them to be indications, you know, that, you know, God was in the relationship that, that you and I are now having and, and will have because he puts a little bit of, of a marker there. That was It was just interesting yeah. after five months to realize that we both had gone to real Just a little cool. confirmation. Yeah. It's like little Easter yeah, eggs. That's know? right. That's yeah, exactly what it is. Easter eggs. <laughs> like when you're talking about Embry-Riddle, I'm like, that's crazy. I'm like, that's, that's where I went. Because I don't meet a lot of people that go to Embry-Riddle. Yeah. Like that's, it's usually either kind of like pilot specific yeah. or like the military community because they're basically on every military base and they push Embry Riddle really big, especially on the Air Force side, because a lot of our military experience, the credits, we get credits to go to Embry Riddle. So that's why that's kind of the, the big push. So that was that was pretty neat. Um, 
I'm trying to think if I met anyone else outside of Embry-Riddle, but I can't think I have. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll come across someone, but yeah, the decision to go to Embry-Riddle wasn't um, one that was, you know, I, so I get my GED, and I, and I, at this point, I always knew that I was going to continue my education. Mm -hmm. um, I just, you know, sort of had to get some goofiness out of my system, and it, it, it didn't last long. It, it you know, I... I ended up getting a couple of jobs and starting to go to Valencia Community College, um, actually in Orlando. And really, they had a really good de degree program. It was an honors program, interdisciplinary studies. So w once I kind of focused and, and, and got enrolled, I actually loved college. I hated high school because I had, I just never really found my rhythm there. And once I kind of got out of, of, of kind of the, the world of, of the house that I was living in and all, and I, and, just, and I just had to be my own man and my own adult, if you will, I really sort of got into rhythm. And so got, got my AA and, and really enjoyed Valencia. And, and before I graduated, I was, I was out with a buddy in a canoe on a lake, uh, just uh, basically south of Orlando and south of the airport. And I'm out in the middle of the lake, we're just canoeing along and we're doing a little bit of bass fishing. And all of a sudden, these two, F-16s come flying right over the lake. I mean, they're so low, they're they're having that ground effect on the water, and they go right over our heads. And it was like it was like a religious experience for me. And I had always loved aircraft, but you know, I, I so after that experience, I said I want to be an aerospace engineer. So I applied to Embry Riddle and, and got in, and and so that that's that's kind of what led me on that path. So it was you know yeah not. not real thought out I just sort of <laughs> got caught up in a moment and ended up going to Embry-Riddle. And then how long after that was it you went to law school? Okay so um, about two years into my aerospace engineering studies I it became obvious that maybe it wasn't the best career path at the time because mm -hmm. we're talking about early 90s um, you know I, I'm in I'm in like study study hall you know struggling to get B minuses in physics and Diffie Q and Calc and, and and the guys that are helping me in that process are the people that graduated with A's and don't have jobs yet for 15 bucks an hour. So I was thinking, you know what? Since it appears we only need about 35 aerospace engineers in the country right now, um, they just weren't building many or designing many planes, maybe I should shift gears. And my grandmother had always told me that I should be a lawyer and she was the wisest person in my life and so um, and there was some lawyers in my heritage my great-great-grandfather was the governor George and he was a lawyer and then my grandfather was a representative and and so I decided to transition I went uh, transition to UCF began to study political science there in the pre-law program and uh, ultimately graduated um, and uh, yeah I I was married at the time and um, I only applied to one law school, and that was FSU, mm -hmm. because my wife uh, had family there, and I'd heard horror stories about how terrible that law school could be for young marriages. So her, her dad and her sister lived in Tallahassee. Um, I applied to one law school, and thank God, literally, I, I got in. Um, I, had, I had pretty good grades and did okay on the LSAT, but it's still a little bit of a risk only applying <laughs> to one law school. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so then I... 
So you went to FSU Law? I went to FSU. Oh, I actually didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, so you're very familiar with the panhandle then. Like, oh, yeah. You, you know it very, very well. Oh, and yeah. That explains why you have the law firm in Tallahassee. Yes. Yeah, yeah. okay. Got it. See, so, still, still learning a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a really interesting story about, about the, the law firm in Tallahassee. I um, When I went to law school... Um, I became really good friends with a man by the name of Frank Allman, a mm-hmm. uh, fantastic person. Um, after law school, he, well, pre-law school, he was law enforcement. Post-law school, he was prosecutor, and then he has subsequently become a judge. And he's a circuit court judge up there. And he and I, every year, go on a long motorcycle trip, you know, usually two to 3,000 miles. And um, nice. on every trip, you know, we have the headsets, and it's just he and I just talking the whole time and he would constantly talk about uh, an attorney that he used to go head to head with as a prosecutor and then just had the opportunity to observe in the courtroom and he was just really taken with this with this attorney uh, his name's Dan Hogan and uh, he always sort of said you know what Man, I just wish you could meet this Dan Hogan we wish there was some way you guys could find synergies but Dan Hogan was a station chief for the public defender's office and so how that would ever correlate to a business relationship with a commercial litigation firm in Southwest Florida was never very obvious, but God was in the works, and uh, long story short, um, the public defender uh, who he was essentially under lost an election, and then uh, Dan became persona non grata in in that uh, uh, department and began to look to get private, and so Long story short, I had a, a a breakfast meeting with him, with he and his wife, and me and my partner, and we we instantly liked each other, made him an offer, and so now, and that's a couple of years ago. So he's he's uh, not only an excellent trial lawyer who's focused on criminal defense historically, but he is becoming an excellent commercial litigator as well, because that's one thing he wanted to do. He was tired of representing people who sometimes were actually guilty of what they were charged and he was you know having yeah. to get them off and that's it became less and less comfortable to him so now he gets to cherry pick so he only represents people um, who are either innocent or who are in the right because that's the only people we represent yeah <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, I, I know being a Christian and God's big in your life when did that come into play was that before law school during law school or earlier in your life yeah, well, um, I mentioned my grandmother earlier. My um, my gr- my maternal grandmother was historically my best friend, mm-hmm. and um, after I was asked to leave high school, mm-hmm. I actually moved in and lived with my grandmother when I got my you know job and did my undergrad, the initial undergrad at um, at Valencia Community College, and. Well, skipping even farther back, my grandmother used to take me to, to church when I was a little kid. Mm. Uh, my parents were not, you know, Christian per se, uh, at least not in the way that a Christian would define Christian. My dad, dad's kind of you know, basically agnostic, and my mom is more like New Age. Yeah. But my grandmother would take me to her little Baptist church, and um, when I was about nine years old, I decided to accept Jesus and I was baptized and but uh, I, I didn't live in an environment where it was really discipled or taught much you know and so 
Um, you wouldn't necessarily have known that I was a Christian for many years other than kind of Chris, Christmas and Easter. So I was like a Christmas and, and Easter uh, Christian for for many, many years. But then, you know, just to distill it, over the course of many years, God kept showing up and showing me things, and I kept sort of pressing in more and more. And... Um, and ultimately, uh, I'm absolutely convinced in the whole thing. And I've experienced so many uh, amazing things. You know, as a lawyer, I'm someone who, who loves evidence. You know, and, and I, I'm an intellectual, so I don't like to just drink Kool-Aid because somebody tells me to drink Kool-Aid. I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've studied the Bible. I've had experiences. And, um, and over the course of time, I've, I've become, you know, convinced yeah so yeah Jesus is the key to everything for me he's sort of the center point he's the true north and um, the indwelling Holy Spirit is who I rely upon to give me discernment um, because if left to my own devices um, I'm a hyper selfish person that that's my kind of default setting mm -hmm. you know even if I'm nice about it I'm still selfish so I find that the Holy Spirit helps me no, and I've With noticed that. that. I'm going <laughs> to kick these lights on. Yeah, Because um, I think it's getting a little dark on the camera. Yeah. And hopefully I don't stop the recording. Nope, did not stop the recording. Just make sure I kick this on. Let's see if this kicks on. Wow. Oh, there we go. Is that too bright? No, no it's, it's not I too think bad. It's, I think it's good. We're doing this from the, from the balcony of my place in Bonita Springs, and... There's some little no see to get in my ankles. I don't know if they're getting you, but they're they're biting up my feet a little bit. Oh, I hate should have had my pants and socks on, <laughs> you know. But no, to go back to the to religious thing, I I've definitely noticed that in working with you in the last five months. <clears throat> a lot of times you'll, I guess, like you'll you'll be on track with something. So like something that, that recent came up, you had a a way you wanted to handle it, and then after you took some time and I get you know prayed on it and spoke with other people um, that are that are Christians and just kind of let God guide you then you kind of change your your path and I think I think that's really smart because us as humans make mistakes right and you always kind of go back to the you know the, the teachings of God and the Bible to guide you which I think that's probably a mistake I mean I know I'm guilty of that myself and I think a lot of people are we don't use usually we're like I'm I know what's best and we're not looking for that external guidance. Yeah, I mean, I mean, over the course of time, I've, I've, I've come to understand and believe that, you know, like literally there, there is an entity, there is an, a hyper-intelligent, macro-intelligent, omniscient entity that seeks to have a personal relationship with me and who wants to tell me stuff. You know, now, now to the, you know, to someone who's not a believer, I mean, it sounds nutty, like, okay, you, you, you've got voices in your head. Well, it's not always like a voice in my head. It can be a small, still voice. But, but, the, but, but essentially, it's this. If I have an idea about something, um, I try to hold loosely to that idea because that idea might just be a function of my intellect and my experience. And, and, and there might not be anything supernatural or, 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 or extra special about that conclusion it could just be an intellectual conclusion and you know if, if, you, if you read enough of the Bible you see that one of the benefits of having a relationship with God is that 
you can ask him things and he'll actually give you guidance. Um, sometimes the guidance is uh, through something that you read in the Bible. You'll be reading long and all of a sudden they'll just, you know, when you experience it as I do, it's, it's almost like you're reading a paragraph and, and there'll be just words that kind of are highlighted or seem to be emphasized to you. Sometimes it is a small, still voice. Sometimes it'll be um, a, a, a something that I've been asked to consider by another brother or sister in Christ who maybe sees like a blind spot. Hey, have you considered this? And then it's like, hmm, because God will use the plurality of, of, of ways to communicate, including people that you are walking with, to tell you things. Mm -hmm. So if you hold loosely to it, and then there's always going to be a litmus test, right? Because if you're coming to a conclusion, then you should say, okay, I wonder if this is spirit-led. The, the thing about God is he's very practical and he's very tactical. That's how he is. And I could show you from Scripture how he's very... How he, and, and, when, and when you think about that and then you know his nature, then, then all of a sudden what seems like four-dimensional chess really becomes like checkers. And the hardest part is not knowing the play to make. The hardest part is making the play because many times the, the play is one that's more selfless than selfish. It doesn't feel right because it's like, wait, that doesn't sound right. It may be showing someone grace who by any rational measure does not really merit that grace. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, so it, it, it's dysfunctional in many ways from the world paradigm. And, and, and so that can be the tricky part. It's not knowing God's direction that's, that's the hardest. It's actually walking it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I think the, obviously the guidance you have got over your years has been a big part of your success. Like, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I posted it to my Instagram the other day, but it was a picture of you in a magazine. And, and that wasn't like anything planned. Me and Riz were at the spa at, the, I think, Naples Grand Hotel. We went like on a Saturday, Sunday afternoon, and I'm just going through the magazine while we're in the waiting room. And um, I think it was the I think it was just called the Naples Magazine. And then they had an edition in there, like the top attorneys that were, um, I guess, not paid to be in there, but it said like peer-reviewed attorneys in Naples. And I'm going through it, and then bam, there you are standing in between like two doors. And the next page was you and Ernie in there and stuff like that. And I'm like. And I still figure out, I'm like, man, these guys are a bigger deal than I even think about. Because whenever I bring up, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm partnered with, with Jim and Ernie. And they're just like, oh, yeah, like, we know Jim. And through a lot of people know you through, you know, through your church, through being a Christian, uh, very vocal about it here in Naples and kind of like your local politics and stuff like that. But I think that would say that's probably a, a big part of your success is doing the right thing right like I, I know I told you when I first met you I said I believe everything happens for the for the for a reason if you're doing if you're doing like good things if you're doing the, everything uh, how did I say that everything happens for a reason if you're doing the right thing that's what I said yeah and, and I really believe that and I think you using you know God as a guidance as a, as a big tool has got you to those right reasons Whereas a lot of times people don't use that as a guidance and they just go off and kind of do their own selfish things. And then that's where they end up where they end up. You know, um, I could have saved myself a lot of headache in my life if I just would have been uh, looking for a little more guidance <laughs> from, from, from that. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I can tell you that um, I, 
I appreciate, you know, certain of those observations. It's very, very, you know, humbling to be in a position where, you know, anybody thinks good of you. <laughs> you use, you use, it's, 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 it's a good thing. But oh, yeah. if, if, if I'm being completely honest, which I try to be, um, the most important part of my testimony, uh, honestly, has to start from places of failure. And um, <clears throat> I have had um, profound moral failure in my life, and I've walked through that profound moral failure. And I, I mean profound moral failure. And the, you know, when, when, when people um, walk through that, and then um, God uses that um, in, in their life to, as evidence that, that people can change and, and come on the back side of that better than they were on the front end, you know, I find that that's really some of the most um, helpful and valuable uh, information that I can ever convey because, um, you know, I... You know, my wife and I went through a very, very difficult uh, stage in our marriage, and um, anybody that knows my wife knows that she is a just the sweetest, most uh, amazing woman. And and I took her through hell as a function of of hyper selfishness, and and, th and this this came through a a uh, a period of time when when to the outside world, you know, things looked fine. You know, and and I'm talking about this is 20 years ago, but um, you know, it, it had to do with my infidelity, and and the reason I bring this up is because I don't ever want to talk about where I am now without talking about where I've been. Because if I'm going to give God the glory for this, if I'm going to if if I'm going to be exalted at any level, then we really have to talk about from whence I came. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it just looks like you know some guy who's you know who's who's doing a decent job professionally and he gives God all the glory but but what is it really where does he really come from and 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 the other thing is I think I can be more of a blessing to people if they know I come from a place of authenticity mm -hmm. you know and that you know I'm the kind of person that if anybody ever interacts with me I don't care what you've done or where you've come from, you know, I'm going to listen and I'm going to be ready with, with grace and, you know, because of what I've been forgiven and where I've come, you know, I've relied upon the grace and the gentleness of others under certain circumstances. And, and so that's just part of my DNA that goes back to being truth guided and relationship driven. It goes back to my faith. And so I just, I just think that's that's important to articulate in order to have a fullness of where I'm coming from. No, that is so well said, and and that's kind of what I like. I, I kind of want to get out of all these little podcasts I'm doing, right? Like, no one's perfect. No one has usually a, a perfect growing up story, right? And and thank you for sharing that because, like, I'm, I'm really happy that people are hearing this kind of stuff because I think probably everyone has a similar story and people usually just want to bury that and don't want people to know their past or things like that and it's hard to grow from that it is you know but once you're once it's out there in the open it's honest and you can get it out there people usually relate to that 
so like usually when I tell people my story you know like struggles I had growing up military career struggles I had in my military career struggles I had on the outside stupid choices I made in my life that made my life really more difficult than they needed to be but once I share those stories my hope in that is that someone out there that hears it is maybe about to make that same stupid decision and they're like hey you know what I heard that guy talking and I don't want to have that I don't want to go down that journey right like you can get forgiveness for what you do and things like that but you're probably going to pay for it Oh yeah, <laughs> like yeah. You're, you're gonna. Pay I for definitely it paid for it. It, w- it was it was it was terrible. You know, yeah. if you do if you lose your moral authority as a man or as mm-hmm. a as a woman or as, as a person, the law there is nothing. And I never even knew what that meant. Like, but you do something whereby you lose your moral authority. There is n- it's 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 vicious and, yeah. and the self loathing which occurs and the and the isolation, and and the deceiver Satan. He just get he, he's gratified by everything that happens as a function of that, mm-hmm. um, and so you know, my message is whether it's GED or stupidity, you know, there, there's God. God can redeem yeah. everything, yep. bad stuff, um, and and I'm, I have testimony after testimony after testimony of stuff that's empirically inexplainable, but for the existence of a God that loves me. Yeah. Guaranteed, I have so many testimonies. If I had to go before a, a jury and try the case, uh, I'm I, I I would I believe that I could convince any jury of of the existence of God based solely upon my testimonies <laughs> for what He's done in my life. Oh uh, yeah. So no, no, I'm re- I'm really glad this came up. This wasn't I wasn't even this wasn't even a thought that was going to come in my head because you never didn't about know about stuff. that. <laughs> no, I, I did. I did know about that, but no, I'm glad we did because I feel like honestly we could talk hours on a subject like this about being men and 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 doing right by your wives and stuff like Amen, that. Amen, man. Because like I mean, also like me and Riz have you know we had our rough patches as well, and our rough patch was our they, they call it the seven year hump. Yeah, you know, yep. and we're going on 14 years. Um, That's awesome. In 12 days I think it is it's 12 days 14 years but you know if I just would have been smarter and not be stupid and actually just <laughs> care a little bit my life would have been a lot easier around that seven year time frame with, with, with Riz but I was just hard headed selfish and I just I was like yeah whatever I just don't care about you know I just didn't care you know and luckily she was more hard headed than me and was like you're not getting away that easy you know and, and my yeah. wife was that was how joy was yeah. she just said i don't care what you think about this certain dynamic you're i know you're my man and uh yeah. Yeah, so she God, man that 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 woman's i i really in my opinion the wives hold the marriage together like people can say what they want but the wife really is that home foundation in my opinion cuz like we're we're kind of out there i want to say more like the providers and stuff like that going out there and 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 bring the meat home and kind of that's less our relationship but with, without her oh man i'd be a lost soul like she really is i guess the foundation of the marriage yeah well i mean <clears throat> that's that's beautiful that that's the kind of relationship you, you you have with her um you know you know the bible gets such a bad rap on 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 different topics and, and i for the life of me don't know why because if you'll just walk stuff out the mm. way the bible defines it it it, it works incredibly um a biblical marriage is one of the most powerful things on the planet 
um, and that 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 exchange of uh, submission by the wife, but only in exchange for a husband that would die for her yeah right that that's not a bad deal it's not um and and so the 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 design of a biblical marriage is supposed to uh, be centered on on unity the spirit of unity and if you live in that unity the unity actually becomes the foundation not either of the spouses it's it's that collaborativeness uh, it's that cohesion um it's that love if Mm. it's that grace um and so uh, yeah, the the Bible talks in Psalm one thirty three about, um, and, and this is this is a thing. There, there's so much good supernaturalness there, but there's literally a commanded blessing from God uh, when you live in unity with someone. Um, and uh, you know the the Bible talks about uh, dew, um, like like the dew on the ground, and and honey being poured over you like that's what they used to do when they would anoint a king yeah. um, those are signs of, of favor and blessing from God and that's what they say that it's you know how blessed is it when two brothers or, or a husband and wife live in unity it's like you know it's like the dew on Mount Ermin or, um, or or honey in the beard of Aaron who was one of the great um, men of the Bible so long story short man marriage is awesome it gets a bad rap yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so true. Like I, I'd always try to tell like younger guys, like especially like when I got out of the military, even just younger guys I meet today, I'm like, you know, your 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 spouse will will definitely make or break you, right? So if you're out there just like hunting around the local girls at the bar and stuff like that, and then you probably wind up marrying that or get involved in that, you're probably going to financially pay for it over the next ten twenty years or, or change your life, and you. I, I, I'm very big in the traditional marriage, and so is Riz. And the marriages I see that are the opposite, I, just in my opinion, and from what I've personally seen, they never usually last. You know, and I think the setup, the same as you got with your wife, it, it's a great setup. I mean, it's peaceful when I come home. You know, I, I want peace when I come home. I don't want it to be my, you know, horror story when I come home and keeping our roles the way we do and that doesn't mean like your wife can't go out and be a successful person like i mean riz built our business you know and she has a jewelry business she also does a consulting business things like that they can still be out and be breadwinners but i think it kind of comes down to that mindset the submissiveness in a way but like she knows like i'm her protector and she's kind of like my homemaker you know like she tells like her girlfriends all the time she's like they're always like why don't you ever drive anywhere or go anywhere without Howard? <laughs> and she's like, I don't want to go anywhere without him because he's literally my protector. She was like, I don't want to go to like New Orleans on a girl trip without my guy because I don't know if I'm going to get kidnapped or robbed or, you know, whatever. You know, like she, I have my role. She has her role. And I think that's kind of the way it's supposed to be. And if you do it that way, it, I mean, we got no complaints. This worked really good for us. So, yeah. And, and <clears throat> of course, different um, relationships and, and different personality types will 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 yield sort of different synergies, right? So so unity can look different depending upon you know um, the the two who are involved. But the the key is the Bible talks about being unequally yoked, mm-hmm. and and the concept behind that is that you you don't want to enter into a lifelong relationship with someone who doesn't 
see the world as you do because then when issues arise you're not going to be deciding those issues uh, in conflict or out of conflict um, w using the same measures or sets of values mm -hmm. right so when you know somebody's a Christian and they marry a non-Christian when when the hard times come and they're going to um, you have one person who who's operating under maybe you know no set of variables or values um, or, or or principally selfish ones and if you have a believer who's who's truly a believer then then you have this person who's coming from a selfless standpoint you know and that maybe this person wants to pray about it and they're like that's ridiculous like that unequal yoking it's a huge huge challenge and it, it doesn't mean that every marriage that starts off that way is, is gonna end in divorce but um, it's definitely gonna require um, probably supernatural intervention to actually you know survive the age especially with the level of stress that the average modern person is having to deal with these days oh yeah I mean you see it as well as I do there's so you don't y'all don't do divorce law or anything like that at no, the law firm, we do not. but I mean you know of it there's just so many divorces out there it's yeah, it's crazy to see these marriages that maybe don't even last a year you know, it, it, it still shocks me. Or even some of the ones I see that go longer and then end up real nasty. But, man, I feel like, honestly, we could have a whole – you could have your own podcast talking about this and giving marriage advice and stuff like that. Because, I mean, 30 years, that's all – 30 years, right? 30 years. 30 years. I mean, that's that's a long time. That's not something you usually hear anymore these days. I mean, it's pretty rare. Usually you hear, like, oh, I'm on my fourth marriage, you know, things like that. So People are just years. amazed when they hear 30 years. They're like, you know – they don't realize that we got married when we were 12, you know, yeah. so, no, because <laughs> you were 20, right? Yeah. 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 So same age as me. Yeah. Like another Easter egg right there. Yeah. So, there you go. Uh, there yeah, you go. At 20. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the 30 year marriage, man, and, and especially with what we have gone through, you know, and the kids, the raising of the kids and the, the whole story about the the two children that we adopted and we we have so much life experience mm -hmm. um, that I would really value an opportunity to, to talk about you know anything in, involving you know family or, or leadership or whatever because yeah. we've just been we we've learned so much over the years. No, absolutely. So not not to change subject because I I think we're actually going to do another podcast talking just about family you know marriages bible things like that because i think a lot of young young people guys and girls need to kind of hear that story and and definitely hear your experience you know like i mean i, I can speak to 14 years but you, i mean you've you doubled it you know and to hear a 30 years experience i mean that's pretty incredible um but to change gears a little bit let's go back because i i eventually want to walk up to like how you got to the title company but let's go back to young jim boatman attorney days yeah what did you uh what did you start off doing like what did you start off practicing then compared to what you're practicing now yeah well it's kind of interesting um right out of law school i went to work for a um a retired judge his name was dominic southie uh and he was really really interesting brilliant guy um, so instead of you know starting out a larger firm, uh, I started with him. And how that came about was that this is kind of a long story, but I'll try to distill it. Um, I met a a young man whose sister had been murdered in a in a hotel in Orlando. 
and um, basically the murder was covered up and it was ruled a suicide and she was from Ethiopia and if you commit suicide you know and you're Ethiopian it's like profound disgrace mm. uh, and I don't want to go over my pay grade and how much I know about it but but suffice it to say um, there was um, substantial evidence that it was not a suicide that, that she was murdered and she was murdered by a manager of this hotel and and I was fascinated so I was still in law school um, I was a third year law, law student and but I just felt compelled to help this guy um, because when I was looking at the evidence uh, and and uh, he just convinced me so um, we started to look for well-known lawyers who would pick up the case uh, and help us and in that process we came across uh, Dominic Salfi because he was he was very well respected from an intellectual standpoint and from a professional standpoint and one and and um, he was the type of guy who before he was a judge um, he went after um, corruption that was within uh, municipal and local governments uh, very inculcated corruption um, and, and became known for that so he was like fearless he didn't care who he was going after uh, and so anyways it, that's how I came to know Dominic Salfi mm -hmm. and so I was working on that case and he offered me a job right out of school and it wasn't as good paying <laughs> as I might have <laughs> otherwise gotten but uh, I really valued that time so that's where I started so you kind of start off like criminal law well it, it wasn't really a criminal case it was really more uh, of a of a civil case mm -hmm. because we wanted to bring an action against the hotel oh, um, gotcha. and 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 we did want to try to encourage and motivate uh, local prosecution of yeah. the individual um, so there was some of that mixed in there but but yeah. Dominic's practice was a very broad spectrum practice he was known to just take cases that no one else would take you mm -hmm. know so it was everything from you know you know commer standard commercial cases to you know some pastor who'd been <laughs> accused of like molesting someone or whatever like there was all kind of crazy cases yeah. that he had you know so, so he kind of just took just like kind of I guess like oddball cases he out took there. oddball yeah. cases that were intellectually intriguing yeah um, but that he believed in mm -hmm. and then like an animal he would sit there for 17 hours a day typing and researching and studying and it was oh no, I mean, that's pretty cool it was it was good for a while. Now, was that was that here or was that Tallahassee? That was actually Orlando. Oh, that was or oh, you said Orlando. Yeah, because right. I, I grew up in Orlando. You know, I went right. to Winter Park High School and, yeah. and grew up in Orlando. That's right. So. And then now, what kind of law do you personally do that you focus on? Because um, I, mean, I know you're the managing partner at Boatman Ritchie, but like, what is it you still practice today? Uh, commercial litigation is like my DNA. Mm -hmm. So, any dispute involving property or money that does not involve uh, family law um, you know or personal injury now having said that um, we do handle some personal injury but mm -hmm. we don't like to tell anybody <laughs> we have some cases but um, yeah but but no family law I, I do sometimes get involved in family law cases in that if there's a dispute involving say a corporation one of the spouses of a corporation then, mm -hmm. then I might be asked to come in and, and assist in that gotcha. that way and then I think, correct me if I'm wrong. There's like around ten attorneys at Boatman Ritchie. Correct. Yeah, and they are they all kind of the same practice as you, or they kind of just go out and they have their own specialty that they practice with the law firm. 
Uh, no, we have some diversity. Um, uh, Dan Hogan in Tallahassee, as we discussed, yeah. is, you know, his, his DNA is, is uh, criminal defense. However, um, it's been diversified substantially over the last couple of years, and <coughs> excuse me, he's one of the lawyers that, that handles personal injury. Um, his wife is a fantastic lawyer who's a partner of a firm in Tallahassee, and all they do is personal injury. So he's kind of got the ability to sort of pillow talk about personal injury cases. So we're like, hey man, if you know if we pick up a personal injury case, you can handle that, right? So he's he's got several of those going actually. Yeah. Um, and then we have um, you know a couple of young lawyers who help me with some transactional work. We we uh, you know we, we assist in the the purchase of small uh, corporations or or you know the addition of, of shareholders and, and things like that. So mm-hmm. I have a couple of young lawyers that help me with the transactional stuff. Um, but uh, but principally um, we're commercial litigation. Commercial litigation. Yeah. Now that's one thing I uh, I love about being partners with you is. People, I mean, even myself personally, especially as a, as, as a you know, business owner, especially in, as a broker in real estate, and your real estate experience, the title company comes into play all the time. But, like, there's always something that comes up for me as a broker, yeah. whether it's a contractual issue or there's a, you know, he says, she said in real estate kind of issue, things like that, or just something in business in general. Um, even stuff like right now from the hurricane damage here, I got people hitting me up like, Hey, I think I need an attorney for this kind of insurance dispute or things like that. And like, I love having the ability to just like text you and Ernie and I'm like, Hey, here's the situation. Like, do do you guys do that? Or who do you got? Yeah. And you always got like an answer for it. But I think a lot of people that, that are out in the world, especially other like real estate brokers know how valuable it is to have an attorney in your corner. Because a lot of times, just that one little text message, and you can answer it right there, will stop it from going any further. It's just like, oh, here's the answer. Done. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, I think it's important to have um, in the Rolodex, you know, at least one litigator that you like and respect um, mm-hmm. who, who can speak into situations and, 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 and maybe provide guidance uh, before the matter escalates mm-hmm. and certainly a litigator that, that that doesn't sort of live on the escalation because there are some litigators who they just spin everything up because that's how they make a living right and 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 so um that that's never been the way that we've practiced um but but many times when we, we get you know questions or we we see a situation um our goal is to help someone um at the lowest level of escalation, resolve the matter in a way that sort of maximizes the outcome for their client. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that can be a little tricky because, you know, if you're always getting your advice from from maybe somebody who's only done transactional work and they're constantly wringing their hands over conflict, you're not going to maximize your client's position because that person is that's not their goal their goal is to ameliorate conflict and split the baby on everything now sometimes it's just wise to split the baby but but you should at least have um good sound recommendation and and strategic you know structure to to the to to the the recommendations given um which is informed by well here's what the document says and here's what we could do and so you know if you want to go DEFCON 1, 
<laughs> we got this. If you want to go DEFCON too, we got you know get some options. Yeah. Um, because just because you escalate conflict a little bit doesn't always mean it's going to necessarily blow up. Right, because people, especially with transactions, are inherently wanting to avoid the escalation. Mm -hmm. So if you're measured with your escalation, many times you can just get a way better deal for your client. And oh, by the way, that used to be how it always was, right? Back mm. in the day of single agency, but don't get me started on that. <laughs> no, that's that's for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Single agency and stuff. Yeah. I I, re I really do like that idea. Um, that actually might come to fruition one day. Yeah, it, I think it really there's there's a market for that. Yeah. Um, as we talked about, but yeah, no, like having having you guys on my side as 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 a broker, I can't tell you. Like I, a lot of times, I hate it because I well, I don't hate it. I love it. I feel like I I use you guys too much because I'm like, hey, here's an issue that came up in real estate. And I mean, you guys have the answer, and you spit it out like in a minute. But I'm always like, man, I, I'm, I always feel like I'm just using them, you know? Because like a lot of times, I'll just be like, hey, I need to put you on an email and CC you just to get some oversight. And just by literally CCing one of one of the attorneys on an email, it'll stop that bad person from continuing back because they're like, oh, we got real eyes on this now. And then they're just like, okay, you know what? We're just gonna follow the contract. Like we're supposed to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> and just for the record, um, after having those tomahawk steaks and the wine and the cigars <laughs> the other night, you don't ever have to worry about overutilization of of the texts. Oh, there's there's going to be a lot more tomahawks and cigars <laughs> and and wine for sure. Um, that, no, that was a, that was a really good time the other night. Yeah. I really, I mean, just sitting around here smoking cigars. Actually, I just cleaned the ashtray out today. <laughs> it, it had been in there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, you know? it was cool to have the. You know, going out to dinner is is great, but you know, the nice thing about a home, right? Yeah. Especially a home that, that's beautiful, is you know we could have the kids over exactly. and every. It was just like a, that that family thing, which is no, that right. was really good because yeah. like I got to meet like. The, the daughter got to meet Ernie's son and things like that. We're normally, you know, we don't bring him out when we go to dinner. So, no, it was good, like, getting the families together and everything. And it, it was time for that. I know we were supposed to do it a while back, but then the hurricane kind of, you know, messed things up and stuff like yeah. that. But, but yeah, no, like, having you guys in the corner, especially for the, for the title side, um, because, let's see, you guys had Boatman Ritchie probably for, like, 10 or 15 years before title company? Yes. Is that about right? Yeah. Yep. So then you guys started a title company two years, three years Correct. ago, something yep. like that, and then um, got me involved in that. But like having a lot of people don't realize in Florida, you don't have to be an attorney to do a title. Um, like it's not it's not a requirement. Like I can actually do closings as as a broker if I wanted to. Uh, not that I do, but a lot of people just they hear a title company. I think they're probably just kind of programmed to think, oh, there's an attorney there, and then you find out there's no attorney there at all to give you any kind of advice. And, you know, if you hired them to represent you, it could be kind of a problem when things go south, which it seems like a lot of times in real estate, things go south a lot, usually for whatever reason, other party trying to be, you know, trying to pull a quick one on you, or then they find out this is going to cost me a lot of money. And now they want to just try to like, change change gears on how to go seller remorse and buyer remorse <laughs> exactly and then or like a lot of times you'll find out like a title company maybe only has one attorney on staff um with very little i guess you would say you can say the right term but real world like legal advice or litigation advice they may have only been out of school for a couple of years and have never really done anything 
I guess, litigation-wise. Yeah, and they're going to be very, I think many times they're going to be overly risk-averse. If you're yeah. overly risk-averse, you're not going to bring anything to the table when, when things get tricky. Um, yeah. It doesn't mean you want a guy that's going to blow everything up all mm-hmm. the time, but you want somebody who can give you good, sound, measured you know, yeah. advice. One thing I, I, I've learned throughout my travels, um, and, I, and this became apparent to me when I was in law school, but experience is everything when it comes to law. Like, you just kind of don't know what you don't know unless it's been taught to you or you have real-world experience. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, who do you want to go with? The guy that's been in law for 20 years the guy that's been in law for one year and you're going up for a you know, half-a-million-dollar lawsuit? And I think that's kind of the good things that you guys bring to the table for the title side is, you know, you and Ernie have, what, 50 years probably law experience? Because you got about 30 no, no, I, um, so I have, what, 25? 25 now? years. And uh, I think Ernie's got like eight. You eight know, years, so, something yeah, like that. So. so you got a lot of experience there. Yeah. But then you have like 10 other attorneys with their experience. That's right. And then you have one of the attorneys who's also a retired judge here in Collier County. That's right. So he's got how many years of legal experience? Absolutely. A, a lot. Yeah. And just being able to pick that brain right there where he can probably end the conflict like that instead of it escalating to a point for the next year to find out like oh if we would have known this it could have been over yeah so having that experience is 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 huge i I think it's it's really huge for the title and real estate side just because like there's always something that comes up and uh and that's one thing i love about about working with you guys and even like other agents and, and brokers I, that I send to you guys and even just my other agents, I'm like, hey, you know what? Just ask this person, see what they say. And because that's kind of how I always, always was at my title attorneys. There was one I was very close with, uh, Brandy, very close with her. And she really helped like raise me as a good real estate agent and, and business going up. Um, like she would always, I'm always asking her for advice. Like, hey, should, how do I do this? How do I do this? Even like the first time I got into like commercial real estate, I'm like, I've never wrote a commercial real estate contract. And she's like, well, what's your concerns? I'm like, I don't know. Can you just like review it for me? <laughs> and like, let me know. Like, I just don't know what these term terminology means and yeah. things like that. And she's like, okay, bam, bam, bam. And and she's also very experienced. I, I want to say around 20-ish years in, in law. But having that kind of experience in your corner um, especially as a newer agent, um, like with Trinity title and, and things like that. And just having like brokers that might have hundreds of real estate agents in their firm, there's going to be something that comes up. And I think that's kind of like the good thing they get with you guys compared to, let's say a title company has no attorney or one attorney, or they have one attorney that doesn't even want to kind of get involved in disputes because they just kind of want to keep that peaceful name around town where you guys are like, hey, we're separate, but, you know, we got pick, take your pick of what attorney you need for what cause. Right. And I think that's probably a, a huge thing. Well, I, I know it's a huge thing for what we have at Trinity um, just because of the amount of attorneys we've got. Yeah. Um, our... Uh our goal is to simply, you know, when we started the, the, the title company, I'd always been open to it and wanted to do it, but I, I had to wait for the right, you know, dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to do it from from within. Um, and uh, ultimately, we got the personnel, uh, and, and then we had the opportunity for the uh, office in Marco, 
we really love Marco, and so we oh, wanted yeah. to kind of plant a flag in Marco. Uh, granted, we have offices in Marco, Naples, you know, Fort Myers, and in, in Tallahassee, but um, but the goal was to build out a title company that just operated at the same level that that Boatman Ritchie does. Uh, we're AV rated. You know, you can't be more highly rated than we are as a law firm, and we we constantly respectively each of the attorneys you know i've been getting the client distinction award for for many many years which is only given to uh a, a tiny percentage of people who are av rated so so both in terms of my professional efficacy and then how what my clients say about me is is is, is very high we wanted to bring that level of excellence in 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 the title world and uh not necessarily you know I had no expectations. We didn't do a bunch of pro formas. We weren't going to try to take you know all of the work for everybody. But we wanted to build in that service um, and 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 have it available for the people who wanted to synergize with us. And and so far, it's it's been fantastic. And uh, uh, man, when, when you when you came aboard, we just knew it was the right thing. And it's funny, Trinity Title and. There's three of us. There's three of us, and uh, it's it's working out fantastic. Oh yeah, no, it's been nothing but a blessing to have to be working with you guys and just seeing how you guys do operations. But it, it's come in handy so much for even just like the agents underneath me as as their broker, or even just like other clientele who had questions like, oh, how do I do this? How do I do this? Or I need to change this. Um, just having all that law experience in the background has just it's been huge, and the fact that you guys are basically along the entire almost Gulf Coast um, is, is huge to get people into the office if they actually need to do a signing or you know a lot of times we just do a mobile notary which is easy just go to your house sign too easy and do it that way um, I mean even during the hurricane I mean the office got hit in Marco no power no no internet no electricity and we were still running operations I think we closed I think we closed down deals. for like two days yeah. maybe two days we closed down sort of kind of yeah. and then we were right back up and running yeah. Because, I mean, I had closings up in the panhandle, and there was closings going on over here, and you guys were still knocking them out without internet. <laughs> yeah. It was it was fun. Oh, jeez. <laughs> this hurricane, that could be another podcast I'd like to never have. It's oh, just like, it just breaks my heart. I just, I can't even think about so so much of, of what I used to think about, you know. I put my boat up for sale and it's like, it's just kind of a tough one, man. Oh, I know. that I was not expecting that hurricane to come yeah. here. That really kind of threw We should wrench. probably, we should probably, this is your people of no Ian's zone. We should probably not even talk about Okay, it. we won't talk about the hurricane. <laughs> Let's talk about some other fun stuff, though. Um, one thing that kind of got me, you on board pretty quick was, was car racing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know if a lot of people know it. Maybe not. But, like, you're you're a legit car racer. You're not one of these, like, racing out here on, on 41, Tammy Amy Trail. Like, you actually, like, you're an instructor, too. At right. Sebring, I think a place in Texas. Well, I, I'm, an, I, I have, I'm an instructor at, um, well, first of all, the, um, I don't race as much as I would like to. Racing is extremely expensive, and you, <laughs> you, you tend to, to break a lot of things. What, what I drive is, it's called uh, HPDE, it's uh, High Performance Drivers Education, but if you're in the racing world, you know what that is because um, those are track days where basically a a club uh, or an individual rents a track, yeah, and then people bring their race cars, many of which are the same race cars that race at you know professionally at Daytona, etc. And you have you have it's kind of like a test day, so there is no there's no trophies. 
Um, the day is broken up into to various run groups, uh, usually one through four. You know, so one being novice and four being expert. So you might be out there with, I don't know, na na name your favorite race car driver. It's it's possible they'll show up at Sebring. Um, so I got into this about 15 years ago, and uh, I bought a Lotus Exige, and and I didn't realize when I bought it that you could actually show up at a racetrack, and for 300 bucks, you could just drive it as fast as you wanted to for 25 minutes you know at different sessions throughout the day and that, that's what HPD is so so yeah so so over the course of, of time I got better and better and better and I became an instructor and I've instructed I instruct regularly at at, uh, at Sebring um, I've instructed at Daytona and, and Homestead I've instructed at Road Atlanta and Circuit of the Americas in Austin Texas but um, it, it's it's so fantastic and um, it's kind of like a secret I mean a lot of people know about it but there's a lot of people that don't realize that yeah. you could just take your Ferrari for instance and me and you could could have it over to Sebring and uh, you sign up for one day and and I'll be in the passenger seat and you'll be in the driver's seat and we'll you'll probably have uh, four to five sessions throughout the day of 25 minutes and we'll just talk you through apex breaking points, turn ins, you know, and you, you start out slow and, and how HPDE works is um, especially at the at the lower levels, um, if somebody's behind you, they're probably faster and you just put your hand out and you give them what's called a point buy. Um, and then when you come up to behind people, you know, there's none of this dive bombing and any of that. There's no trophies handed out and you want to take your car home without wrecking it. So everybody drives, you know, uh, with, with with respect. Um, so yeah. So this isn't like Talladega Nights. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> cars flying in there, not first or last. No, no, no. Now, now, bad stuff can happen, and and periodically does. But but as I like to tell people when they talk about how dangerous it is, the the drive from here um, to Sebring in the vehicle is way more dangerous than anything that happens out on track. Yeah, that's statistically true. So yeah, so you you still have the Lotus, right? I still have the Lotus. Have Unfortunately, the it's it's in a couple of different parts right now, so <laughs> that's not what I, I I track. And then you got the Miata, which I saw the other night. Yeah, we have a we have a fantastic Miata. I bought uh, for eight hundred and sixty five dollars, <laughs> uh, and then proceeded to put about you know I don't know ten grand in it at least, um, just to kind of make it track ready. Um, and so, but we we I got that for my son. He was like fifteen at the time. And, but it's a it's a it's a great yeah. little car. And you have another one too, right? Isn't we have, it like a we BMW 135i that's, that's that. track prepared? Don't you have like a um, I want to call it like a kit car, but it's actually like a it looks like a European kind of like touring car or no? No. Okay, no, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that was something you showed me that you you, you raced one time or something. Oh yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. You're talking about the Elan DPO2. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a that was a actually a friend of mine's car. Um, that I was able to to track for a little while. Yes, yeah. really cool car. Oh, it looked it looked fast. It looked like a lot of fun. But we still we need to get the car that you and I've been looking at. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, you know, so it's going to work out. I really want it. I I was really shocked that Riz was okay with this. <laughs> so for no one knows what we're talking about, but um, me and Jim here, we're probably going to buy this uh, this Porsche GT3, and it's like not like your you know it doesn't have apple itunes and all that like apple carplay like it's a legit it's full race, race prepared car. it's it's there, mean, there's it's not street legal yeah so. it's a real race roll car. cage and, 
I mean, there's no interior. It's just, I mean, it is a race car. So I'm, I'm really hoping we get that because I. Oh, been we will. Like, it's just a matter of time. It's yeah. not a question. It's just the, my my friend that has it is getting. He's going to get an upgrade. Yeah. So, so we're, Good for we're happy to take that downgrade and throw a passenger seat in, and me and you will yeah. just have a blast. Because I've always been into cars. Um, I actually grew up more at the drag strip back in southeast Texas. Drag strip nights were, like, my favorite. But then as I got, as I got older, I still love drag racing. Um, I don't do that at all. But uh, I've always wanted to get into track racing. And one of the things I had actually told Riz right when we sold the business, I was like, me and my buddy Eric that you met, we were talking. I was like, he, he was into it as well. And he actually bought me a Porsche Experience that mm, I haven't yeah. gone to yet for my birthday. Ooh. So we're going to go up, I think, to Birmingham or Atlanta. And it's like a. I think Atlanta a, is where, where you should go. I think it's like two or three days. <clears throat> so we're going to go do that. He bought it for me for my birthday. But me and him at that time, we were talking like, dude, we ought to like get into racing because he loves driving cars and i was even just thinking like you know what maybe i'll just buy a little miata and strip it out and you know turn into a race car or something like that and i had i kind of pitched it to riz maybe back around may or something she was like no that's stupid you're gonna waste all your money you know i'm like what so you can go buy a purse you know (laughs) (laughs) how interesting is it that then you would just very shortly after become friends and partners with somebody who's like doing that very right. thing as reasonably as one could in other words yeah. like i I'm, I'm very well plugged in and i know where we should start and where we can yeah go, so. and i think your influence kind of helped this decision because when i when i told her i was like hey me and jim you know want to buy this race car i think maybe you were oh yeah she was listening to you on the phone when we were talking and she was like yeah i'm cool with that and i was like what <laughs> Oh, I was just like, what is this going to cost me? You know, like, or I was like, maybe she bought something that costs more expensive <laughs> than a car. You know, she's actually looking at me right now saying she's hungry. She's like, she's doing this. Like, I'm hungry. You know, <laughs> I mean, it is like seven ish, I think at night or something like that. But no, I, this race car thing is going to happen. I really want to get into racing because I may, I don't know if I told you this, but um, I know I was talking to my buddy Eric about it. My next year, I want to go up to Pikes Peak, and I want to do that climb. I want to, I want to race up there, and I, I couldn't do it this year. It was just too busy with doing the transfer of the business. But um, I really want to get up there and do it. Not to bring up a sad subject, but I was actually going to do it with the Cobra um, that we just oh, lost in the hurricane flood. Oh, We're not talking about the hurricane, no, but no. It, that's a replica, so I can get another one. No big deal. But um, I think I probably want to bring the Chevelle up there. And, and race that up the hill. It might, it might, it might struggle a little bit, you know. But um, I know that I got a, uh, I got a trailer, yeah, a flatbed trailer, a car trailer, and uh, we could throw that uh, GT3 on there. But yeah, if we have the GT3, which I'm pretty sure we'll have by that time, racing that up the hillside, oh man, that would just be that, that's dream what, come true. Yeah, like that. That's something I really want to do. Um, yeah, no, I, I have put so much thought into this about the truck I want to get and, like, a whole car hauler and then just going around the nation with this thing and, and having a blast. Oh, um, yeah. I haven't really told that to Riz yet, but, you know, it's cheaper than bags, I think. So, <laughs> yeah. But, no, I, I, I love it that you're into racing. That was one thing that really, really kind of got me on your, like, just the connection there. And then, um, and then the shooting because you're a big shooter like me, and going out to the shooting range. And I'm no, stuff I'm, like I'm that. not even on your 
realm, but I do love it, you know. And uh, but, but hey, you get me on the driving, yeah, driving skill. I, I'll get you on the shooting skill. That that's so, a, a fantastic yeah. exchange. Which all my uh, all my uh, SF buddies, all the Green Berets and Seals watching this are probably like, John's a terrible shooter. Like, what, what are they talking? You know, like not. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are good shots. Yeah. Way, way better than I am. I, I learned from some from some solid dudes, but yeah, no, that's that's definitely gonna Yeah. So shooting cars, what else is there about Jim besides shooting cars, law, title, God, family? Yeah, man, that that's that's a pretty I used to be a boater, but we're not gonna wait, no no Ian talk. <laughs> no Ian talk. No, but uh yeah man, that, that's a pretty good wrap up. I uh, love to travel too, so you know. Yeah. We got to take the girls to Budapest. Oh, wait, are you going to Budapest? No, I just got back from Budapest. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. When was that? It was in um, in uh, uh, July. July. Yeah, and oh, I wow. uh, yeah, I officiated a wedding over there. I married. You these, did tell me yeah, this. Yeah. In a castle, you know, I was I, I married people in a castle in in Hungary. I mean, that's like. That was pretty cool. That's, that's one so, of those top of the mountain type You're also uh, unordained, is that what it's called? No, I'm not ordained. All you have to be in the state of Florida is, is a notary. So, yes, I'm a notary. I'm an ordained notary. <laughs> that's really cool. So, yeah, yeah if you guys want, want to get married. Yeah. Um, but I am a man married. of God, so I, I can. I've married, like, I've, done, I've officiated, like, five weddings no at kidding. this point. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's really cool. Yeah, it's kind of a hobby. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, one day I'm sure we'll go, we'll go on a trip too. Um, so I know I told you, uh, Riz and I are we're, we're taking off for Rome on the 14th, and we're going to be there for I don't know some time. So probably can't get away. But hey, if you can get away and just take a trip to Italy, come on, you know. Well, be careful what you offer. It might just be accepted. <laughs> I would be okay with that. I would totally be because you know we can go to Italy. And that was actually the first place I drove a Lamborghini. That's mm. what got, did I ever tell you the story? Mm. This is what got me into the Aventador. So I've always been more of a muscle car guy because that's just what I grew up around in my hometown. There's, there's no exotics there. And uh, like the best you're going to get is like a GT Mustang, you know, maybe an old Fox Body 5.0, something like that. Maybe some guy's got an old Chevelle or a Nova. Actually, I, I did know a guy with an awesome Nova. It ran like high tens. It was, it was wow. great. It was my buddy's. My buddy Billy, his girlfriend's dad had it, and oh man, I just remember that thing throwing me in the back seat when I was probably like 17 years old. I was like, oh, I want one of these. You know, I had a 383 stroker. I mean, it was just, it just, it was great. So, Riz and I go over to Italy. This was 2012, I think it was. I think it was 2012 or 13. And uh, we took like a 30 day vacation. And, um, was it 30 days? Yeah, I think it was about 30 days. Because um, we were always so busy in the military that we would just basically save up our vacation time and then just take like a big trip every three or four years. So we go to Italy, and um, we go to the Lam- we're going to the Lamborghini factory. We're going down the interstate highway, whatever it is there. And she's like giving me directions on how to get there, and we're just going through this farm country. And I'm like, babe, I'm pretty sure this is not where the Lamborghini factory is. Like... Lamborghini's not going to have a factory in the middle of like olive tree farms and just cows and stuff like that. And she's like, "This is where it's saying." I'm like, "All right." So we're driving. You know, I think I think Lamborghini actually started off making tractors. tractors yeah. So. so it's out there. Like you probably go 
20 minutes from the highway, like in the middle of farm country. I'm like, there's just no way. And we get out there, and then out of the middle of nowhere, there's this massive Lamborghini factory. Wow. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is super cool. So we get there. We have no tour plan, no tickets, no nothing. And they almost don't even let us in there. They're like, oh, what tour are you with? And we're like, oh, we're, we're not with a tour. And they're like, oh, all these times are scheduled. And I'm like, hey, you know, like, I'm just – I'm from Texas. I really want to go see these cars. And they're like, okay. So we bought our tickets to go in the factory. And we're just kind of like, I don't remember if they had us like tag around a tour. We just kind of like walked around and did our own thing. But I'm looking at all these amazing cars. And I mean, I had like Lamborghini posters as a kid and Ferrari posters. But I mean, these things are just way not attainable. So there's no Lamborghini rental at Lamborghini factory. But literally across the street, um, there is a Lamborghini car rental place, and it's a bar. Wow. So it's like a coffee That's, that's a dangerous combo. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like a coffee bar and like a liquor bar. Mm. So like they had, um, you know, you can take your pick what you want. But it's kind of like a cafe kind of style. And uh, I was like, I want to rent a Lamborghini. And Riz was like, no, you're not going to waste your money. We don't have money for that. That's stupid. So earlier that day, we actually were in Milan before we went down forgot where the Lamborghini factory is but she bought a pair of sunglasses for like I don't know $130 whatever it was at, at Prada and uh, so I told her I said if that car is cheaper than your sunglasses I'm renting it and they had like uh, I think the Garlardos and stuff like that you could get I think maybe for like 120 euro you could get like 20 or 30 minutes in them or something like that but they had that event tour there and it was like a gunmetal gray, and I was just like, "Oh man, that thing's sick!" And it was ten minutes for 120 euro, <laughs> 120 bucks. So cheaper than the sunglasses. And she's like, "It's only ten minutes." I was like, "I don't care. I'm doing this." And then I think I paid like another ten dollars to GoPro it or something. The guy put the GoPro like in the center, and uh, and I had never personally seen an event tour, never heard one other than like maybe I saw one like on YouTube or something like that, and. Um, <clears throat> crank that thing up that little start button and just hearing that thing just wow and i was just like it gave me goosebumps i was like oh man you know like this is crazy so um i tell the guy he's like oh i'm like i want these paddle shifters he's like you want to use paddle shifters and i was like yeah we were kind of having a little language barrier issue <laughs> as well so he like puts it like in sport mode i'm doing the paddle shifters as soon as i take off the wheels just like just like spin i'm like oh man. you know and the guy was cool so we're going down these you so there's no track you're on these country roads, like the same roads that you're driving into Lamborghini <laughs> factory. You're on these, they're one, they're like, they're just two lane or I say they're one lane each way. Right. Super narrow. Um, and there's like tractors out there driving and stuff like that. And this guy's like, he's like, yeah, I gotta go, go, like go around him. I'm <laughs> like, okay. So I, I go to go around and there's like a bridge guardrail coming up. And I was like, oh, nah. I mean, we're like four, there's like four cars in front of us, one of them being like an 18-wheeler. He was like, no, no, like, feel the acceleration. And I was like, okay, buddy. And I mean, the, also, like, it's that car is so wide, and the way you sit in it, you don't really see out very good. And I mean, I just, whap! I mean, I just started, like, getting on that thing. I'm passing, like, an 18-wheeler with a guardrail on the side of me, oh. like, hoping I'm not going to, like, scratch this thing on the side. And I mean, I'm just getting after it. And uh, I mean, I got really, really hard. And then we go down, like turn around, and I actually see him. Like he, like he had a copy of my driver's license. I see him, like look at it. And he was like, 
Texas? <laughs> I was like, yeah. You know, like, and he was just like, oh. You know, but the guy was just so cool. And I tell you what, for 120 bucks for 10 minutes, I don't think I ever stopped smiling. Because every time I hit that paddle shifter and just heard that V12 just go, mm. it just put such a big smile on my face. So I told myself that day, I was like, one day I'm going to get one of these things. You know, and but it, you know, it wasn't like I had to, but I was like, I want one of these things one day. Um, didn't think I would actually get one up and actually yeah, 10 years later, and then I wound up getting one. But that was how the whole Aventator theme became like this thing to me. So I always, I, and that was actually the first and the last exotic sports car I ever drove until I got mine. Wow. I never drove a Ferrari, I never drove like a Porsche, a McLaren. I never drove any other car until I got my Aventador 10 years later. So I was just like, that's You kinda, waited. Yeah, and it, it, wasn't like, it wasn't like I had planned it that way, but it just, I just thought it was kind of interesting how that like worked out. Cause people are like, oh, have you been like driving a lot of exotics? I'm like, actually it was like 10 years ago, you know? Um, and that was, I guess it was kind of like a birthday present to me. <laughs> It was like two months before my birthday. I think she actually kind of wanted it more than, than I did. She, she's like, give me the eyes. Like, I'm, I want dinner, you know. <laughs> but, uh, oh, man, I, I, I love that car so much. It's just, it's funny how those little things like that, it could be 10 years ago, but they just mean so much to you, like, later in your life. And, I mean, I just, for me, it's all about the noise. If it has a noise, it sounds, it's just, it gets me. It sounds so good. And that Ferrari, you got, that, I couldn't believe it the other night when we were, <laughs> but yeah that, that exhaust it, oh it, it's just it's just a deal changer yeah no i i, I love so the <laughs> yeah riz's ferrari is absolutely amazing like that that 458 i i love it like that rift exhaust uh 1k motorsports put on a fort myers like it just i mean it sounds like like an f1 car it's just is so loud it sounds so good i'm not I think she likes it. She hasn't said anything about it, but on, on the events tour, she was like, it's too loud now. And I'm like, well, that's the whole point, <laughs> you know, but on that four five, eight, it just changes the whole tune yeah. of, of that car. And I, I, I mean, I love it. I love how that thing sounds. So, but I'm going to like the sound of that GT three better um, when we get that on the track. <laughs> it, it sounds good. Well, I, I think that's about all I got. Um, actually we're going like an hour and 20 minutes. And Rez keeps looking at me because she is starving. Um, got anything else you want to add to this? Not really. I mean, I you know, you and I could probably you know talk a few hours, but but I think we've we've covered a nice broad range. And you know, I really again, I appreciate you having me on. It means a lot. You yeah. Know? So I'm I'm glad to be part of your story, man. And I j I just look to to the synergies that that God is going to, you know, sort of facilitate as we continue to just, you know, be brothers and, and just just work hard together and, and be authentic and, and just have fun, you know? I yeah. Mean, that's, and watch each other's backs and just be, you know, I'm just humbled to be on on your team and, and in your sphere of influence uh, because of, of what I know about you and, and what I've learned about you. It's just... You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm just looking forward to the future as we build this thing out. Absolutely the same. I, I can't say any better. I, everything you just said, I feel the same exact way. So, yeah, definitely more to come from, from us. And I, I think you're going to have to come back on here. We're, just, uh, we're probably going to talk just about marriages and 
one episode, cars on one episode. We could talk about cars for crazy episodes. cases, crazy you know? cases, something like that. I don't know. Have you? Have you? You've probably told your whole story. I mean, you, know, you have so many amazing aspects of, of how you've you know. Oh, you come know, about. I don't know. If I haven't told like my I guess my my whole whole story. I kind of just gave a. Brief we could almost flip the script. I was like, I'm, I could almost like interview you. We uh, could definitely yeah. do that. There's there's a lot of a lot of stories out there. I could I could talk about that. I've definitely developed me as who I am today, and 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 that's kind of the whole point is 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 getting those stories out there. So yeah, no, we can, we definitely got to do this again. Um, got to get Ernie out here too. I want to do one on one with Ernie, but maybe one day. If um, if our sponsors come through, <laughs> and then I can upgrade to a three microphone yeah. thing. So I can only have two on here. Then I can get like you and Ernie in here, and then we can just all just sit. That and would talk. be good. Can we, we, that would make for a very nice banter. Yeah, yeah. maybe when Boatman Richie cuts that check for a hundred thousand dollars for this episode, then I can go get the three way microphone. Yeah, well, so. well, so we can do that sometime in uh, the fourth quarter of twenty twenty eight. Yeah. Well, Jim, it was a pleasure having you on. Thank you for coming. Oops, I hit that so loud. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Um, I know I'm taking up some family time from the kiddos and the wife, but I really appreciate you coming out and, and doing this because I just asked you today to do it. And, um, no, I, I really appreciate it. I think the viewers are going to gain a lot from this and just all kinds of different aspects of what we talked about. So, no, I, I really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime, man. Okay, and that's right. it. Show's going over. Yeah.